0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Wharton Moneyball. <laughs> Two hours of sports analytics live every Wednesday morning 8 to 10 Eastern. Kate Massey hosting this morning with my buddy Shane Jensen, buddy and faculty colleague. Just walked in the door, Audie Weiner, our third buddy and faculty colleague. Good morning, Odd. Good morning. How are it's you? be back in the studio. Glad to have you. Thanks for squeezing us in. Appreciate it. Yeah, drove down from Boston. Not in the morning. Split the trip. Split the trip? Yeah. All right. Well, well done. Thanks for being in here. We are just off the phone with Michael Lombardi, longtime front office exec in the NFL, talking football with him. In the next half hour, delighted to welcome Josh Hermsmeyer. Josh Hermsmeyer also... A football analyst, expert, and a What's re- repeat? Football,
1: yes. football, amazing. Yes. I walk out of the studio for an hour and bang.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if you you know there's this kind of big event tomorrow. Yeah, I know it's a big event.
1: Well, you know,
0: Adi, we'll give baseball its time. You know, we give, only we only
2: it. we only have four more months to talk about yeah, it.
0: Exactly, my God. All right, listen, we're gonna have Josh here in a second. You guys want to join us? One eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seventy eight sixty six, or give us an email, Business Radio. At com, Or hit us up on Twitter, our Twitter account at W You can send us over under suggestions, complaints, ideas, observations, whatever you got. At W Moneyball is a great way to reach us on Twitter. In the next half hour, Josh Hermsmeyer is a writer for 538. He's founder of AirYards, airyards.com. He works on all things football analytics. I like to call him the Patrick Mahomes of 2018 football writing. He was discovered by 538 this year. Has a great platform and doing great work up there. So Josh has been with us before, and we're always happy to talk to him. Josh, good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Kate. It's Great to be back on. Unbelievable, uh, being on here four times. That's uh, no no one would have put that uh, that 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 line anywhere near that. So I'm I'm glad to make the over.
0: Well, <laughs> you're right. The over on the number of appearances by Josh. Hey, we got we might be here for a while. You might you know you might have a few more in your future. Are you calling from Idaho this early in the morning?
3: I am. I am. Yeah. And I, I actually, uh, I put in some time last night. We, uh, were running an article on the, on the draft, um, kind of analyzing some, something that's near and dear to your heart. And you guys talk about quite a bit, kind of the crowdsourcing and oh, mock yeah. drafts. And oh, good. How will they, how will they predict, uh, how will they predict the actual draft? So anyway,
0: yeah, I well, know. I know. Well, you've, you've, you've come from the agricultural world in a way you were in the wine business for a while. Those guys are known for getting up early. I guess I shouldn't feel too
3: bad about your
0: getting up. Oh this no, isn't crazy!
3: Oh no, no, not at all. In fact, uh, yeah, when we would get up and, and you know spray the sulfur on the grapes early in the morning, uh, boy, you'd have to get well, up, well up, uh, up well before the sun and Good. get in your tractor and spray the rose. So yeah, no big deal. All
0: right. Well, listen, let's hear a little bit about what you're thinking as we roll into the into the draft. That you wrote this piece. Um, you wrote this piece just before the combine. That was attention getting. The headline writers at five thirty eight did you no favors. <laughs> other than the click they're good for clicks i'm sure they said the headline's your article this is into february the nfl is drafting quarterbacks all wrong yeah. oh let's listen to josh tell us what the nfl is doing about drafting quarterbacks all wrong so what what did you what did you find and to what extent is that headline true and this you know we can talk about any position with the nfl draft but of course a quarterbacks to gonna obviously quarterbacks. stand out yeah so yeah t- I mean, tell it, us a little bit about what good. you found in that article
3: it's the one if you get it right obviously as you've said many times that uh, it's the difference maker it's the most important position in sports and all those things so uh, yeah no it, it's pretty funny the, the, the headline um some of the ones they were kicking around were actually even a little more acerbic and uh, so i'm glad that they we kind of toned it down and went with this one but um <laughs> the, the, the general the general gist of the article is it isn't that uh, the nfl evaluators have been have been terrible it's just that um the success rate hasn't been there and why might that be and and, uh, you know, and then, of course, the humility we should have in, in kind of trying to project these humans from the college to the pros. and Right. But uh, the, the one thing I did look at that I, I think was novel was this, uh, at least in this context, was this idea of trying to adjust for uh, the league environment, the college conference environment, um, and and uh, adjust completion percentage, which is uh, people have known for a long time that it's the trade or the measurable uh, of production that, that translates the best from college to the pros. And so could we improve on that? And, and perhaps could that help us uh, do a better job of, of differentiating between uh, different tiers of quality right. at the quarterback position?
0: Right. So how did you marry that with some of your traditional analyses? So you've you kind of cut your teeth in football analytics, at least publicly, with the air yards concept and the depth of target. And you ran some really cool analyses in last year's draft. So last year's draft was known as a, a thought of as a very strong quarterback draft. And I remember seeing analyses that you ran that were. I, I was very slow to come to Mayfield as the darling of the. But He analysts. really
2: stood out. Um,
0: That's exactly yeah. right. In Josh's analysis—you look at his his completion percentage as a function of basically how deep a ball he was throwing—and you you got a plot there that showed this is the average of NFL quarterbacks, and you showed their college stats, and the college stats are going to look good compared to you know average NFL, but. One of the nice little summaries, as an aside, one of the nice little summaries that somebody came up with last year. Do you remember who this was last year, Josh, who said the best you'll ever see a college, a college player play in the pro is his college-level performance? And so maybe that's a Bill Connolly thing. but It is. So you, you throw these stats up there. It says, let's look at these five guys, these five first-round prospects. On this curve that shows how well they're completing their ball, this completion percentage being a really important stat. How well they're completing it at different depths of target. The idea being, look, these little you know bubble screens or whatever anybody can throw. It's the guy who can complete the deeper balls. I had never, you know, I you know here's how much of a doofus I am. I've watched Baker Mayfield play a lot of football painfully over the years. I didn't realize he was as good in this way as he looks. Your numbers, he jumped off the chart. It was really illuminating. Yes, but I mean compared to Sam Darnold, who's like
2: I mean. in retrospect, it's a very kind of simple graphic, but it, yeah, it was it was really uh, compelling.
0: Okay, so that's my kind of two cent summary of some of your analyses. Is this the kind of thing you brought to this article? Have you elaborated the concept since then?
3: No, I think. Uh, well, I did add one tweak, which was that you know there is a difference between conferences: the SEC versus the Pac-12 and uh, and, and the Big Ten, and 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 so kind of adjusting the completion percentage by those by conference um, allows you to get a slightly better read. So, Josh, real, real quickly,
0: not... that's, that's cutting it pretty fine. That's interesting. So people are forever wanting to distinguish Power 5 conferences from Group of 5. But to go in and say, actually, within the Power 5, there are differences in that expected completion percentage curve, um, that's, that's intriguing.
3: Yeah, and it was significant, too. So it wasn't just uh, you know, just adjusting for adjusting yeah. sake. Like I mentioned, the, the Big 10, the Big 12, they just allow more completions at every depth. Mm-hmm. Than, uh, for instance, the Big Ten, or excuse me, the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve allow more than the Big Ten, um, and and so if if you, if you you know if you adjust to the conference for those particular passers, you know some some guys in the Pac Ten are going to get dinged, and some guys in the Big Ten are going to get a slight lift. Um, but it did help. It did help with the model. It did help with pr- predict predictivity and uh, into the pros and, and making this this one metric translate. Um, better and, and I looked at it from two ways. I looked at does, is the is the metric itself stable? Does it translate? So in other words, does it predict itself from college to the pros? But then does it also correlate with something in the pro game that leads to winning? And and of course yards per target has, has long been known to uh, to correlate well with winning. And this this new measure, this completion percentage over expected kind of uh, point estimate, um, actually does a better job of correlating with NFL yards per target than. Uh, Than anything else, we that I was able to find, at least, including ESPN's QBR and and uh, and a host of other metrics. So that was what was uh, exciting about the uh, the study.
1: John, this is audio. I've got a question, Josh. 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 <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I just walked in the studio after a long drive, um, and I missed the first hour where I'm sure NFL was talked about uh, for a long time. I guess, guys, right? Um, so, my question is: uh, You keep talking about the model predicting. So, what you're predicting performance in the NFL? But one of the, the difficulties in doing that is that so many, so few people actually play in the NFL, and there's a bunch that accumulate a lot of, a lot of time, and those are generally the best ones, or, or, and that probably is predicted by their college performance whether they're going to play at all so how do you kind of get around this confounding aspect of so many players just going to the pros and really doing anything and really not playing and that's probably highly predicted by their college performance
3: absolutely i think probably the biggest drawbacks or the biggest caveats to the entire study was first of all i only looked at players who uh accumulated at least a hundred passing attempts in the nfl so you already Selected for this this minuscule sample of players, and then on top of that, I only you only look at the players. Typically, um, the, the quarterbacks that are drafted were invited to the combine, so there's this winnowing process that's done via scouting right. from the very beginning. So this isn't to say that analytics have somehow replaced scouting at all. All they've done is to say that you know, given this list of players that were both good enough to make it to the combine, and then also. Uh, eventually went to the NFL and got at least a chance to throw a few balls. You know, can we uh, – and so there's another way of putting it is these are the top prospects. So among the top prospects coming out of uh, of college, is there a way for us to kind of differentiate between them a- in a reliable way that we can quantify? And, uh, and I use really – actually, really simple methods. Like it's just a simple logistic regression, and it, it, it did a fairly good job. The uh, AUC was around – 72, so 0.72. And that, that's that's a decent job. You wait, wait, you're predicting,
1: well, what's the, the, in logistic regression, it's a binary variable. So what are you predicting?
3: Correct. The, the, it was whether or not the, uh, the the success variable was 7.2 yards per target or better. So basically, are you an average NFL quarterback? In the at least 100 passing attempts you
1: took, and what's the base the frequency? Just to give me, I don't know football. How, is that good? Is that an average mark for a professional? It, it sounds about, like it's average. You take the average. You pick it. the it's average.
3: Precisely average. Okay. Yeah, it's precisely average. So, so, that's, so, so let's, let's, you're trying. Go.
0: go ahead. Go ahead, Josh.
3: Oh no, you're you're just trying to delineate between. Mm-hmm. And is, is it a perfect discriminator of good and bad quarterbacks? No, it's not. Um, but I think it gets pretty close. And and in fact you know it gives these uh, it, it gave a good reading for for Russell Wilson and a really bad reading for for someone like Blake Bortles and a bunch of other failures so it it, it, it did pretty well
0: so let's stay with that for just a second at a high level when you say pretty well you said early on when you were talking about this piece you said you know one of the things you learn from it is that we need to be humble about how hard this is how well we can actually predict a college quarterback's performance in the NFL when, so can you give us some, can you characterize that in some sense? So on the one hand, you want to say the model's doing pretty well and, and we and we buy that. But on the other hand, we want to say it's just hard for a model to do anything in this space.
3: Yeah, absolutely true. I, I think, you know, another another problem with it is is what Adi uh, kind of pointed out is the sample size problem. We I, I did have data going back to 2011. That's what got me excited though. ESPN has this data going back for college further than anyone else. And so what that kind of felt like a treasure trove. And, so there were a few years to look at, and uh, in the end, I believe we had. Uh, uh, looking through the article here, I believe we had close to 100 QBs. Yeah, so
0: you so know, our y- you would you'd be entertained by Audie's reaction. This Audie's a baseball guy, and they do data back to like 1890s. 1869. You know? Come not, on, he's not impressed. He's
2: relevant and fresh the entire time through.
1: <laughs> Your 2011 yeah, no, treasure just... trove is not is not really meeting Audi standards for. Although it's interesting because in uh, in he, college is actually very interesting for football for for baseball. It's just not. It doesn't. Yeah. no one really bothers right. with it. So right.
0: Listen, I, I want to ask you a question about the 2019 draft. And one of the things that's fun about I mean, there's a zillion things that's fun about the draft, yeah. right? But one of the things we tend to do is we look at the quarterback draft class. One at a time. And we talk about... I mean, we, we broadly say things like, you know, this is not as deep as last year or whatever. But in the end, mm-hmm. most of the conversation is going to be, you know, Kyler Murray versus Haskins or whatever within his same draft class. Same as last year. It's like those five guys are kind of against each other. We don't do enough comparing, like... Where would Josh Rosen be in the twenty-eight, nineteen draft, and where would Kyler Murray be in the twenty-eighteen draft? That kind of across draft. Fun. Yeah, I comparison. think I saw.
2: I, I saw some anecdotal report that the, 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 some, some scouts said that Josh Rosen would be number one in this draft. So this if should he, be if, if he was in this draft. What do you think about that? Well, this
0: should be one of the benefits of having a model, right? Because yeah. once you've got a model, then you can just apply it. You can take a look. We can look at all the guys since twenty eleven, and we can kind of plot them out mm-hmm. here, and we can do something. We can get a better sense of their absolute expectations instead of just the relative expectations. Versus others in the class.
3: Yeah, I I, uh, I did run Rosen, and he didn't show too well. And, and one of the big reasons was since we have data since 2011, uh, there hasn't been a quarterback with a completion percentage under expected that's gone on to be at least average in the NFL. And Rosen wow. was a point a point under expected. So Whoa. the out the outlook for him, according to the model, is, is not not good. I think they gave him like a 20 percent chance of being. Wow. Uh, an average quarterback or better. Do you, how so, hard is it
0: for these guys to overcome? Uh, maybe, maybe it's the other way around. how How much do their reputations as like elite eleven quarterbacks when they're prep prep players stay with them? Because Rosen was like the chosen one. This was the play on names, the chosen one from
1: age seventeen. And is it the case that maybe? That still lingers in here. Something I was going to toss out I, I, just before I, I walked in. I tried to look up some data on Kyler Murray and uh, Haskins. They were both four four star recruits. That is not in the top 25, 30 of all high school players. So they but were not chosen the way you're describing Rosen.
0: But I mean, that four stars really still good because there's only
1: 75 the of them so it's not like it's so but there's only 25 to 35 stars, stars right. each right but, but it's hard to be a chosen one long three like yeah. if you're yeah. not in the top that's, that's fair so. that's fair all right josh what do you got yeah. <laughs>
3: um yeah i don't know how long those kind of things linger but i do know that bill Connolly. i'm sure you talked to him before and, and some other folks have looked at how how predictive that stuff is a college success. Like, in other words, are we are scouts reliably able to identify the very best athletes and football players at that level? And do the stars kind of denote that kind of success? And, yep. and generally they do. And yep. broadly speaking, if they do a really good job, it's that winnowing process from college to the pros where things get tricky. Well, and I, uh,
0: I would hypothesize anyway. that the that the. College rating, among the top players anyway, has a positive effect into the draft but not into NFL playing. I think there's probably this reputational thing. The guys that were supposed to be great coming out of high school, they have a hard time letting go of that concept. At least it, it feels yeah. a little bit that way. i tell you what Kyler Murray did as a high schooler. It wasn't a ratings thing. He won three straight na- state championships in high school football in the highest classification as a 6A player in Texas football. And maybe that counts for something. Maybe if you can play, you can lead your team to that level, maybe that counts for something. I'm curious about Murray. Josh, you talked about adjustments. And, of course, as an analyst, you're forever trying to you know make the adjustments that you can make and not worry about the ones you can't. The Murray played behind one of the best offensive lines we've seen in college in a long time. There's some speculation that they'll have four guys drafted off of that five-man Line also, he played for hands down consensus top offensive coordinator in college football right now. So, given those, given those, how do we how do we think about his production in college? I mean, do you do you do you temper it at all?
3: I think you temper it slightly, but the, the, what kind of argues against that, at least from my perspective? And again, it's not complete apples to apples, but uh, uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus, and Eric Eager has done a lot of work trying to tease out. How much the line is responsible for, say, the success of the run game or the success of the pass game? Yep. Again, qual- you know, I just want to. This is at the NFL level. Turns out the line has just got a very small effect on success in the pass game. Really, um, much, 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 much bigger effect on the run game. And I mean, that kind of intuitively makes sense. But yeah, no, the quarterback. Like, I think people have found the quarterback's responsible for sack rate to a large degree. Um, so a lot of the things that you would, uh, that you would kind of attribute to line success, like you have a great line and they're doing great blocking and you have a quarterback that's holding onto the ball too long, blocking is wasted. If you have an average line and you're a good play caller and lots of deception, you know, you're doing them some huge favors. You have a a mobile quarterback who can move the pocket, all those things kind of, you know, they, they, they help that line become much, much better. Now, uh, and then, and then, you have the problem that everything's interconnected. So, I guess <laughs> well, just at the end that. Of the day, just I, that.
0: I mean, this
2: might argue actually for some of your kind of metrics, like completion percentage, or some of these things that are potentially like you could look for kind of metrics coming out of college that are relatively uncorrelated with line play, basically, right? And Like, I mean, you've been kind of arguing for things like completion percentage uh, because it's predictive of NFL success, but it could also be something that is less, less correlated with lot yeah, with with kind of the teammates around them and that makes it kind of extra valuable beyond its predictive power oh, that's interesting
3: um, that's a good point uh, it would be interesting to see and i, I hope that that uh, that pff you know that pff college data we really need to get our hands on it because teasing i know i know the line is important in college to a much larger extent um than it is in in the pros i mean for instance running actually Correlates better with winning in, in the college than it does in the pros. Uh, interesting. I'm sure. I'm sure Cade knows. I mean, gosh, you, you make your you make your models every year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so I would I would expect the line to be important. I just I'm not entirely certain for for the metrics I was looking at at least that uh, they had a huge effect on uh, on overall performance.
0: Yep. We're talking to Josh Hermsmeyer. Josh is a writer at Five Thirty Eight. He's also founder of AirYards.com. He's a terrific, unusually good follow on Twitter, at Frisco Josh is his handle, at Frisco Josh. I, I jumped on Twitter for, after being away for a couple days over the weekend, and you're one of the first I saw, and it was all this great NFL draft stuff. And I'm like, oh, dang, I'm behind. I'm behind on the draft, and I can catch up real quickly just by looking at Frisco Josh's Twitter feed. Listen, you said you worked late into the night on a new piece. Why don't you give us a little preview? Give us a new piece, a, a new piece preview of something coming out on 538 on the mock drafts. What are you guys doing with mock drafts?
3: We're not actually doing much, I, but I ran into a gentleman, a guy named uh, Benjamin Robinson, and what he's been doing is pretty incredible. Ah, he's, okay. collected, he's collected 2,000 mock drafts going back from last June to, to, to yesterday, basically. And he's characterized them in terms of if it's an expert, if it's the media, if it's just a fan mock. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and so, so we have a date variable. We have the pick itself. Um, we have this characterization, this bucket, whether it's one of those three... Um, sources, and and so what we're able to do is look at the change over time of uh, a draft pick, um, and and he actually did uh, the value of, the mocked value of their pick, and then also kind of he back-tested it, and he found that just these kind of naive mocks that kind of amplify and echo one another, they do a a fairly reasonable job of predicting the first round, and uh, he found in 2018 he did a similar similar thing, and he uh, had 500 mocks and uh, I believe it explains 60% of variance, or, or something around that. You looked at median and weighted average and all these different things. And so there's, it, it does a reasonable job of telling us who's likely to be picked in the first round, uh, a less, a less reasonable job about actually getting the team uh, player match correct and the absolute value of the pick correct. But it does give us a, a general sense of, you know, who's going in that first round. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I use that to kind of look at the change over time for some of these top, uh, top prospects guys like uh, a.j. brown and uh d.k. Metcalf. who are on the same team will miss one went up the other went down Brown's stock has dropped over time and and d.k. Metcalf's has risen and fallen but but is generally higher than Brown's now even though a.j. brown had you know better better production metrics and for all for all intents and purposes was a better prospect to start with so kind of understanding that dynamic i looked at a few other uh defensive ends and uh as well as uh, the, two, the two tight ends out of Iowa, which are pretty interesting.
0: So for, so what other trends did you see on what's driving? <laughs> so one of the interesting things that's going on here is you're, you're not talking about ultimate performance. You're just talking about when the guy is going to be taken. So yeah. we do, you know, you follow the draft, especially, you know, after this, after you clear the Super Bowl, you roll into the combine, all the data start coming in, people start talking about it, and it is interesting to watch, like prospects float up, prospects float down. Are there any patterns that you see? We've talked about it on the show over the last couple of months. Quarterbacks just tend to float up the draft. It's just it's every year. It seems I could be wrong, but if I had to, if I had to say from a distance, it seems to me like the average first round, first two round quarterback expected draft slot drifts up between January and April. Just they're st- like inevitably, no matter where we start, the stock of NFL quarterbacks goes up over time.
3: I'm looking at all the QBs, and it looks like only one has uh, a negative ADP differential over the period from last July to
1: date so I, I would say you're correct uh, you're about talking that. about m- draft if, mock draft yeah is, yeah. is draft, for, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: basically expectations expected yep, yeah. draft order because one of the things yeah, exactly. one of the things I think you would say and, and Benjamin Robinson would say probably from his data is that these mocks do a you know a reasonable job of forecasting the order of these guys.
3: Yeah, they do, they do a reasonable job. The, the biggest riser, it appears, looking at the data, was Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray. Yeah, um, he man. went from around, he was mocked to be about 26th and rose now all the way to, I guess, his average right now is 1.9, which is the top. Um, but, you know, gentlemen like uh, even Drew Locke rose quite a bit. Uh, Daniel Jones rose quite a bit. And, uh, and even my guy, Will Greer shot up the charts so, so yeah I think your I think your intuition is
1: spot on is so, this a crowd I mean is this how does this work the, these mock drafts it's, it's well he
0: Josh said that so again we're talking about work by Benjamin Robinson mm-hmm. um, who's got a who's got a website and he's putting some things together got some data and and Josh characterized it as 2000 mock drafts since last year dated so people are updating their mocks and coded for level of expertise essentially fan media expert and one of this isn't just you know you idle work because teams need this information when they're deciding when to take players when to make trades Mm -hmm. how aggressively to draft players they I mean it's one of the it's one of the most difficult things that general managers have to do in the draft is decide okay this is a guy I want I could take him now but I'll be paying a little high for him given the value of the draft pick or I can wait and I can hope to get him around later but is he still going to be there and so there's a, real, there's a risk-taking thing there, and, and the best drafters tolerate that risk, but you end up losing some players every now and then. So having some sense of when they're going to go is actually a really important input to their process.
3: So fascinating. I, and I I had I'd considered whether or not, uh, you know, internally, any teams were, were using this kind of public data to, to help uh, to help with that kind of decision making decision here.
0: So I, they build different teams, build different models. And God knows I haven't seen them all. But, it, you know, you can just go to the mocks. That's one thing. But you can also have an analyst build these models. So some teams will have an analyst who will build a model and say, have a forecast on every player. and And it'll be dynamic in that, you know, 10 picks in. That analyst will update the model and say, now, you know, this guy's going to go. And they'll turn to him during the draft and say, when, you know, what's the forecast? when? You, how much longer is this guy going to be on the board? And, of course, there's always a range around that. But an analyst, given the information these days and every year that goes by and more mocks are available and more data on the draft are available, that forecast turns out, I mean, it gets a little tighter all the time. And it's helpful. Listen, this raises an interesting question that came up in a – in a just in a in an ESPN article, do you see this article about the Mahomes trade on ESPN? It ran the front page for a while, and they're saying this is the trade that you know shook up the draft, shook up the
3: NFL. Uh, I think I saw it in passing, didn't I? So.
0: Okay, so this is about the Mahomes trade. The Chiefs two years ago going up from number twenty-seven in the first round to number ten in the first round, and they got Mahomes. And Mahomes, of course, has you know been a very exciting player ever since he started playing this past season. And presumably going to be a stud for a long time, so they're just kind of reifying the Chiefs and anybody who was involved with this trade. And they're talking about how acute the analysis was that forecasted they got to go to this number ten spot because if they you know waited any longer they were going to lose him. But of course you want to wait as long as you can. And so and it just strikes me as you know too kind much of
2: too, too too retrospective yeah, of an analysis. God, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: To say well, one we're writing this whole article because it worked out well. Yep. I mean, how many (laughs) trades have we seen up for quarterbacks that didn't work out well? Where are those articles? And then we're telling these stories about how precise our judgment was when there's no way they could be that precise. I mean, we're sense of looking at these things, Josh, you've just been crunching through 2,000 of these things. I mean, how precise can you really be on where a guy is going to be drafted?
2: Yeah, and I guess Uh, just to put numbers on that, you know, you said that these mock drafts do pretty well, uh, you know. For a particular player in a particular slot, like what's the plus minus, what's the standard deviation, basically on on, or you know, I guess the the error that these draft, mock drafts typically commit.
3: Uh, looking through Ben's work, I believe it was around eight or nine picks either way yeah, so. exactly. yeah. That, that's, yeah
1: that's in the top round just to you know you're not picking the, yeah. the 150th within
0: okay fantastic exactly exactly all right listen man josh tell us what else you're thinking about what are you working on what's next what's the next 530 year darko going to be I, another question whichever one mm-hmm. you want to go how are you going to take in the nfl draft how are you going to consume it over the next few days
3: uh, I'm going to consume it, unfortunately, without a beer in hand because I have to write a quick response piece as soon as it's over. Oh,
1: really? Uh, but, okay. Uh,
3: but, but, but it will be in a bar environment, so uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be drinking a beer in spirit. But uh, in terms of what – so then that, that answers your other question, what's next. Basically, I'm just going to go through and see how well these mock drafts did in, in terms of predicting the actual order uh, the, of the NFL draft. And uh, um, do, It's really interesting. There's a website out there that actually tracks – uh, the expert mockers. And I interviewed one of them, the guy that was at the top of the leaderboard last uh, last year. And he basically said, you should be able to get 26 of the 32 first round draftees. Oh my. Just falling out of bed. Just falling out of bed. Really? You know, that's, huh. that, that's easy to do. Hold on. You and mean 26 got, out of
0: 32, regardless of where they go. You don't mean pick the actual correct. destination. Okay. Got it.
3: Got it. Yeah. Correct. And he was able to get 10 to the team. Okay. And that was marvel. That was marvelous. So thirty, thirty okay. percent, roughly. Wow. Um, and, and that's about as good as a human can do, apparently.
1: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good summary of it. Yeah, I'm just looking at Ben Robinson's graph. About six of them, that are that uh, are predicted to be in the top thirty-two failed to. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So by the way, just while we're on this topic, as a reminder to all of us, we're kind of we're
0: kind of be- casting a skeptical eye on the on the on the genius of the folks who made the Mahomes trade. Um some other first round trades for quarterbacks. Redskins go up for Robert Griffin III. Browns go up for Johnny Manziel. Vikings go up for Teddy Bridgewater. Broncos go up for Paxton Lynch. Jags go up for Blaine Gabbert. Broncos go up for Tim Tebow. Mm, yeah. Where are those articles? Where are those articles, Josh? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, but I heard you on Ed Fang's podcast, Kate, and you said you're coming around about trading. I market. am. Or at, I least, or at least you're open.
0: I am. But exactly. But you got to know that it's, not always, it's often not going to work out. It's, you don't go up you because it's going to work out. You have
2: accurate appraisal of the, at least the success yeah. rate when you do that.
0: You go up because it's going to be great if it does work out, not because yeah. it's going to work out. I mean, this is, and you got to, you got to have, we, this is that we never learn if we only pay attention to the ones that work out. We got to, we need the articles. That's, we need that, or,
2: or at least we need to embrace the uncertainty and risk taking that these teams good, are doing, good. and not kind of retrospectively, kind of I guess, rid ourselves of of that risk.
0: Okay. To be fair, exactly, hundred percent. But to be fair, because Maddie was giving us, Maddie was given us failures. Well, we got to embrace both sides, yeah. right? Eagles went up for Carson Wentz, Texans go up for Deshaun Watson. All right. So we, we, we yeah. We, there's some, there's some wins, there's some successes. Um. Josh, tell us one thing, once the football draft clears out and you come back around to some of your longer-term projects, give us some sense of what's what you're interested in digging into.
3: Oh, boy. Uh, the thing I'm most interested in digging into, I really can't get into too much, but I really want to, I want to get at uh, what's going on inside the head of the quarterback. I think that's the high-order bit, and it always has been. It's the hardest thing for scouts to kind of give an opinion about and certainly putting numbers to a quantifying incredibly different uh incredibly difficult but i do think we have some some data coming online that'll allow us to to get a better uh, get a better sense of the decision making process that a quarterback goes through on the field of play how well he operates within the system and kind of marrying that with some other production metrics i think it it could be helpful at least
0: that's great and i'm I'm optimistic it sounds i mean it's terrifically important right there's no more important evaluation in sports than these these college quarterbacks. We won't push you for detail because we know that it's early and um, these things are, are precious. So listen, Josh, we'll let you go. Thanks again for getting up this early and visiting with us and thanks for all the work you do. We always...